Hi there, and thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. We speak to Cork's biggest insurance broker about the challenges facing the industry. Sitting in chairs and not on a swing, you'll be delighted to hear. And the international recruitment firm that's growing its European business from Leaside. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. One of the big topics of discussion at the moment in every business, at every point, is insurance. How expensive it has become and how you can possibly try to bring down your premiums. Not to mention all the other discussions that are going on about why premiums are so high. So what is it like to be in that sector, particularly in that sector as an award-winning business and one that has been around for quite some time? Paul Kavanagh is the Managing Director of McCarthy Insurance Group. He's with me now in studio. Paul, how are you? Uh, Very good today. Jonathan, thank you very much. It is a tricky business to be in, isn't it, at the moment? Because people's expectations are, well, here's somebody coming and all they're going to do is give me bad news? Well, hopefully no. Uh, Let's get the the history straight here. First of all, um, we represent 140 insurance companies, which is a hell of a lot of companies. Not four, not five, not one. 100 and 40, 150, including life insurance companies. And therefore, we have the package to suit the individual's needs. Now, you have to break it up into a couple of different sectors. You have the motor sector, which has been always in the news for the last couple of years because of yo-yo pricing. And we can come to that in a minute. You have the current sector that's in difficulty, which is the leisure industry. And that's the real difficult one at the moment. So there's something new coming across my desk every day, which makes it wide and varying and interesting. And I suppose my job is to try and find the answer, find a solution to the problem. And thankfully, we are finding solutions, but it is difficult. It's very hard to keep everything in your head if you're dealing with all of those companies. It's it's a tricky task. And of course, at the far end of it, you've got frustrated consumers who, no, they're not going to take out the middleman, but the middleman will bear the brunt of a lot of the anger. Correct. Now, on the business insurance, which I was talking about there last, that has become very difficult, and uh, you will have heard about play centres, children's creches. Awful places, Uh, but they do need insurance. They absolutely do need insurance, and like all my kids have been there, done that etc so look we we need we need we need to find the solutions here the problem with all this liability seems to have come out of the fact that brexit is the big dirty word in our business at the moment and that is because the main insurers in ireland are not involved in the leisure industry so we the irish brokers had to go to london to find the answers so you have the london markets and you have the lloyds markets As a result of Brexit, most of the London companies decided, you know what, we're not going to be bothered coming to Dublin, right? So we just won't do any new business there and we'll roll off any old business that we have on our books. Ten Lloyds syndicates, which is the equivalent of ten insurance companies who are all writing late night bars, nightclubs, play centres, activity centres, zip ropes... Aqua centres, they all decided, you know what, we're not going to move to Brussels either. And they decided, you know, we're just going to deal with the UK and the UK Commonwealth. And accordingly, 
they have all stopped doing business in Ireland. Which is no good for the people who've got the businesses that need insurance. Absolutely. So we're, we're in a bit of a dilemma there. Uh, we have, at, at this moment, if a new nightclub came to me in Cork, we basically have two markets. We, uh, whereas this time last year, we had seven or eight markets. Mm. Heavy construction, uh, roofing, scaffolding, uh, grounds works, work in the river, as an example, is a no-no at the moment. Uh, we have to get very specialist covers on that, and that's just not available. So can, can we not dip into the European market, for example? Because, OK, fair enough. And that's the problem. Yeah. The vast majority of the European market is already here. You have the, all the A's, Aviva, Allianz, AXA, AIG. They're already here. Actually, eight of the top ten are here. But they don't want business insurance. They don't want that big stuff, that that heavy, heavy liability heavy footfall and that's what we call it in the business uh, uh, the listeners may not be up to speed on that but footfall is basically where there's lots of bodies moving mm. so how do we fix this because it is a problem we don't want to see businesses shutting their doors as they already are doing are people facing premiums with massive hikes because there's only two options where the previously was eight as somebody stuck in the middle paul can you provide them with any hope that there's a solution well, this time last year, as you correctly say, we had we might have had eight options and therefore it was quite easy to move around. Now, with two options, it's A or B. It's all complicated by the fact that this, if there's current claims on, on the, the, the business, now we have a real problem. What were the claims? Mm-hmm. What has been done to correct these claims, if anything? And how can we continue this business and keep it going? So you're the canary in the coal mine here. You're telling me that new pubs and bars and anywhere where there's large footfall, as you describe it, they're going to struggle to get insurance from here out unless something changes. Absolutely. Uh, at our end of, of what we're trying to do is assist people in, in helping them um, with safety. Health and safety being the big buzzword, okay. So we're trying to help them. How uh, cleaning of the toilets, cleaning of the floors, making sure there's no, if there's a spillage, someone's on it immediately, etc. That type of helping the risk to be better so that we can sell that risk. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to sell ourselves. Uh, and to be honest, Ireland is known in London as a basket case. We're only the size of Manchester, remember. So they're looking at all... If you're, if you're in London and you're looking out and you're looking at Birmingham and Manchester and Glasgow and Edinburgh and all Liverpool and you're saying, what do we want to be in Dublin? What do we want to be in Ireland for? It's, it's hard work. It's hard work. Uh, so, look, again, this is why insurance is a dirty word. Take the motor trade, which you, you mentioned earlier on as well, and we suffered badly from that. We are still paying, what is it, two different levels of, of charge after insurance companies collapsed in the past. Yeah. It has a very bad reputation and leads to terrible frustration amongst punters who are getting in contact with you. OK. There's good news. There's bad news. First of all, how do we get here in the first place? Insurers dropped their pants. They wanted to be the bottom of the market and they wanted to be the biggest in the market. As a result of that, a number of companies nearly went to the wall, RSA being one of them, one of the bigger ones. They lost over 500 million and thankfully they had a UK parent who came in and subsidised all that money. All the staff were, all that were involved, they all got the sack and now there's a new broom in there and they're beginning to trade away. But they're not trading at the same premium that they traded as at five years ago. You're at a new premium now. That premium was higher. It's down about 20% on average. They are telling me in the marketplace that this is a, is a premium that they need to sustain 
themselves in Ireland. And I'll give you one big reason. You take your average family car. If you break a windscreen in the morning, the average price to repair, to replace that windscreen is approximately €250. However, that's now after being complicated by the fact that in the newer cars, and I'm talking about the last five years, we've all these gadgets in our cars and all the controls of those are inside in your windscreen. So if you have to get a windscreen replaced, you then have to get the windscreen calibrated, which is another 180 to 200 euros. So all of a sudden, the insurance company is looking at a bill of 450 to 500 euros for a simple windscreen replacement. Right, and you will find that that is approximately the average cost of a motor insurance policy in County Cork. So, it, 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 where is the trend going? There is it going to keep going down? Uh, I know there's there's different type of investigations going on. It's a very much an industry under the cosh. But are we going to see people's witness reductions in their premiums going forward, or is this it? Is this the new normal? <laughs> I'm very. I don't have the crystal ball, and 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 I I do not see it. There'd going be no money in insurance if you had a crystal ball. Let's put it that way. No doubt about. It. But <laughs> I can't see it going much further. There is. I, I, yes, there must be a bit more in it. And yes, if you want to be competitive, you have to. We have to be good on price. The prices are competitive at the moment. Some when I hear some prices, I go, "That's too dear." I will know if a premium is too dear, and I say, "We need to look at this. What what is the what, what is the what is the reasoning behind this, and how can we?" How can we work with this person? Is it a case that they have too many drivers or not enough drivers? Like the insured and partner, they get a discount from most insurers. So if you've got an insured only guy, you know that there's about 20% to be saved if we can get him a partner mm. or get him a spouse. Tag somebody <laughs> which on. Is Absolutely. Great. Yeah, well, you're not playing matchmaker. Uh, Paul, around the general discussion of insurance, and we don't want to go down, uh, we're not going to talk about swings, let's put it that way. No. But the discussion is that insurance companies don't do enough to take on bogus claims that are out there. And as a result, everybody pays more in terms of premium. Do you subscribe to that theory, knowing insurance industries as well as you do? I do subscribe to that, and um, it makes me angry at times. But there is an economics at the back of it, and it's quite simple, actually. When an insurer gets in a claim, and I'm going, let's go back five years and then no, and I'll tell you what the difference is. Five years ago, an insurance company gets in a claim and they say, this is, this, this is, this is worth about €10,000. Do we fight it or do we pay it? They would haggle that with the solicitor and they would end up paying maybe €7,000 and they think they have a result. They wouldn't take it to court because it would cost them twice that, fourteen to 15000 to actually fight that in court. So the economics was, let's just pay it. Unfortunately, the consumer, the business, is suffering as a result of that. I'll bring you on five years to know the vast majority of insurance companies, and I'll pick one in particular, Aviva, have over 70 staff dealing with possible fraudulent claims, both in the office and on the ground. They are looking at everything, which is, after swinging the pendulum nearly 180 degrees the other way, so nearly every claim that comes in now is under the spotlight. So they have to be looked at. And there's good in that and there's bad in that. The bad is that we're all suspected of making claims. And if there's a claim, is it spurious or not? The innocent person has nothing to fear. That's what I always say. Mm. So look, let's have a look at it. 
you know, and make representations. It's it's a fascinating sector. And, and you guys have been knocking around. Well, the, it was a small office in Fermoy in 1952. That's where you started. And, and, uh, and Charlie and Eileen McCarthy, 1952. Charlie was in the army for 21 years before that. And he, obviously he kept a little notebook and had a lot of contacts. Yeah. And we still have some of those clients today, believe it or not, which is great. But... That all moved on. I joined the business 35 years ago. At that time, the turnover was £365,000, punt probably at the time. Still sizable. I remember the figure. Yeah. uh, That figure is closer now to €100 million. 15 offices. We would have amalgamated another 15 offices in. Very well-known names. Power and O'Callaghan from Douglas. Douglas Insurances. O'Reardon Insurances. Or Reardon Insurances, uh, we would have we would have brought in a load of different amalgamations over the time. But, and, and it's a funny thing because it was an industry that consolidated a lot. But at the yes. same time, a lot of companies wanted to go direct. The website wanted to push things directly to you. You didn't have to go to a broker. Sure, look, we'll come in here and click a few boxes and we'll have it. What I've found, uh, both with travel agencies and insurance brokers, that... The ones that are still there are the savvy ones and they're the ones that consumers should go to rather than buying direct. I mean, it's easy going saying you can buy your holiday directly from the airline and, and the destination, but a travel agent does the whole thing for you and takes the stress out of it and gives you the advice. Your industry is very similar. The way I would look at it, and we all book our flights online at times, and there are times when we go to the travel agent. We're a resilient bunch of people. What we've done is we've looked at this It might be quite simple to insure your car online. That's all well and fine. However, when something goes wrong, who do you want to speak to? Who do you want to argue with? Who do you want on your side when the engineer says your car is worth 10,000 when you actually think it's worth 15,000 and you owe 15,000 on the car? So, you know, there's a 5,000 gap. Who's there to negotiate that with you? That's what we're here for. As well as that, we would have 14 different motor insurance products And half of them are only available to the public online direct. Yes, the insurance companies tried to cut out brokers, but they have failed in that, right? The more complex the policy, the product, I'll use the word product for the consumer, the the more complex the product gets, such as household insurance, it's your single biggest asset if you're not in business. Your, your, your house. And it's amazing the amount of people I find in difficulty with claims who have insured their houses direct and don't know what they have done. Mm. Right? And, and they really don't. And that's the value of the broker. And that's why you've got how many people working with you now across we the internet? We have 180 people at the, at the present. And as of this morning, we've just signed to take on another five. So, you know, it, it, it's all good from that point of view. But we, on the business side of things, it's only it's only the broker. You cannot deal direct. You deal with the broker, and it it, it is now becoming let the buyer beware out there, right? Uh, all these uh, clauses about uberme fides, utmost good faith when it come to came to insurance when I joined thirty five years ago are gone out the door. You must know your facts. You must know what you're dealing with, and if you do tell a fib, it will come back and bite you. If you do tell us that you've no penalty points and you do have them, then you're in a hide into nothing. And look, it's all in. The, we we don't like. I don't like personally, and we don't like as a company dealing in the unknown. We like to have a, as many known facts as possible. And the more we know, the more we can do for our clients. On that note, we'll park it. Paul Cavanagh, Managing Director of McCarthy Insurance Group. What's the website for people who want to look up and see what quotes they can get? www.mig.ie
Paul Cabinet, thanks for joining us on Red Business. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. The world of recruitment is rapidly changing and there are different types of companies dealing with different ends of the market. And my next guest is with a recruitment and consultancy firm that operates not just here, but also in the United States and around the world, looking to get the creme de la creme of employees. With me is the Vice President of European Operations for Oxford, Dennis Carroll. Dennis, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me here. Um, You have recently launched a bit of an expansion and you have a European headquarters here in Cork. Now, tell us a little bit about what Oxford does. So we're a global consulting and recruiting company. Um, Our main headquarters are in the US, outside of Beverly in, in Massachusetts. We've been based in Cork for 25 years, celebrated our anniversary recently, and in our offices in Penrose Quay since about 2002. Um, we made our first expansion in 2011, followed that up in 2014, and again this year we announced our 25 jobs in our 25th anniversary. So we f- partner with Fortune 1 to 500, Fortune 1 to 1000 companies within their very senior level freelance IT, engineering and life sciences requirements. So, and and to put that in layman's terms, these are the guys who grease the electronic wheel, make sure that everything works and they're in very high demand because we haven't produced enough IT specialists, not just here, but right around the globe. I agree, yeah. And the challenge is that it's becoming such a lucrative market and... There are so few freelancers out there that a lot of people are moving from permanent employment into the freelancing market. Unfortunately, a lot of those guys often don't have the experience of dealing with five, ten different companies within the last couple of years with different challenges. They're used to one company weeding out the type of expertise needed for our clients from those guys who undoubtedly have good skills is often a very tricky market within recruitment. Um, Possibly one of the main reasons that software recruiting probably won't be as strong as people recruiting, if that makes any sense. And within that level, you're talking problem solvers, um, and that's the level at which Oxford wants to be best in class at. We we don't want to go in and place 10, 15 low-level engineers. We want the problem solvers, as I've said. Uh, and uh, is, is it often the case that people who are the problem solvers don't realise the value that they have, particularly if they've been stuck in a position for 10 years that common complacency creeps in whereby the employer, even they don't see the value of that person until they stick their head up. Yeah, it's an interesting one because if they don't know what the market is like out there, they don't know how much people are are often earning. Again, this is freelance work. It's not a permanent salary. It's a very different mentality. And people get freaked out by that because we we talked about this uh, on a previous podcast with Icon Accounting who who do accountancy for freelancers like that. And it's, it's often the case that they're in such high demand that they can command a higher salary, but they have to make that jump. They have to leave the exactly. position of being a salaried employee. And and there is a small bit of a risk, at least a psychological one in their mind. Yeah, I think the risk, particularly at the, the type of roles that we're trying to fill, the risk is, is very limited because the market is so strong. And within consulting itself, even when times are bad, the work still needs to be done. So let's say, for example, we're working with a pharmaceutical company and the economy has collapsed as it did a number of years ago and their CFOs are telling them to cut headcount. The work still needs to be done. Standards still need to be kept. So even at that level, there's always consulting opportunities. Mm, I mean, well, you're there normally to do a project. And as was explained to me, if you are building an extension to your house, you don't employ the builder. You hire the builder on a contract mm. basis. Exactly, yeah. 
Um, and do people get that? And once they get it, is there are there more opportunities for them? There are. Um, I suppose part of becoming a freelancer and becoming a freelancer successfully is is managing a lot of your own. I don't want to say headspace, but you're moving from a really comfortable environment being permanent, you're living at home with the family, to if you want to be a successful freelancer, most of the time you're travelling internationally, you're moving Monday to Friday, living in another country out of a hotel room and walking into a team where there are people who have been doing the work like this for a number of years, potentially making mistakes, you're there to point out the mistakes and they know you're earning three times more than them. If it's a welcoming company that's used to freelancers, well then that's okay. If it's a small family-run company where they don't hire a lot of freelancers, yeah, you're not being invited for drinks afterwards. <laughs> well, you, you can live with it, but you're a nice pile of money. Um, w- when you, you set this up, you were four employees in Cork initially. So now you're you're at 129 and you're looking to add an, a, another 25 on at top least, of that. Yeah. Um, h- how come Cork has become such a focal point for Oxford? It's an interesting one because we do so little of our business in Ireland. It's probably 1-2% to of our businesses here. Um, I joined the company 2007. I think at that stage we were up to seven employees. My boss, John Murray, um, took over in 2007 from his finance and he was a finance controller at the time um, You went mad hiring around. is that what you're saying? Uh, pretty much <laughs> and he, he made the brave decision um, to actually hire during the recession most of our competitors were cutting salaries and closing doors I, there's a crazy stat out there in 2009 there were 40 recruitment companies in Cork in 2011 there were 20 or something and a lot of people a lot of consultants would have got burned while these companies were forced to close their doors so we during times when they were bad okay we worked doubly hard we were getting in contracts with with big clients we've been able to maintain those relationships over the last seven eight nine ten years and that's what's standing to us now so when we hired during the recession you're getting a lot of goodwill from your employees who are going to work hard throughout those bad times and then when the good times come back well then companies are spending even more money and you continue hiring. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating area. Uh, employment has changed, recruitment has changed, but we seem to have pinch points now, don't we, Dennis? Whereby some areas, obviously, you have the, like, you know, t- let's take the opposite end of the market on retail, where there's fluidity um, yeah. and and we know we've heard of recent store closures because parent companies are under pressure and so on. But on the other side of the market then, the bit that you're in, you, you have often situations where you've got 100% employment, like you have in cybersecurity, for yeah. example, which Cork has developed itself as a bit of a hub. Can you predict with any confidence what sectors are going to be the big ones in the years to come? Because there's lots of parents and lots of older teenagers listening now going, well, where am I going to get a good job? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. When times are good like this, the luxury goods markets are huge. So you've got all of the luxury brands upgrading their IT systems that they wouldn't have done in the past when people weren't spending money on them. A company within the life sciences industry, if you need medicine, you have to take it. You can't decide not to spend it. If you want to buy yourself a Beamer, but uh, the market is bad, you're not buying it this year, you're buying it next year, so spending stops there. So as the economy turns, so do these types of industries. Um, In Ireland, and part of the reason we don't do as much business here is the life sciences market here and the technology markets and fine tech are, are incredibly impressive. We do a lot of work, all of our work on the continent essentially, and where we have Irish engineers... Um, if they don't need a language or Irish engineers get paid twice, three times more on the continent than they do locally. Wow, okay. And a lot of the reason for that is, okay, the, the quality of the schools that we have, the quality of the standards we have, the companies that have set up here and have developed a lot of our engineers. Um, 
So if you're looking for a job process engineering within life sciences or within pharmaceutical, you're never out of work. Quality engineering, okay. you're never out of work. Those types of things. You heard it first here, kids. If that's <laughs> if that's the career you want. Well, the company has generated over 3.3 billion in sales worldwide in 2018 alone, and 129 of its 4,300 employees are based at the European headquarters here in Cork for Oxford. Uh, Vice President of European Operations with Oxford, Dennis Carroll. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. Thank you. My thanks to all of my guests. Don't forget, redextra.ie is where you'll find every episode of Red Business alongside lots of other great content from Cork's Red FM. Neve Hennessy produced, as always, and we'll catch you on the next one. The only show in town for Cork business. Red Business.